0: Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for this show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle related disciplines and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and prioritize yourself, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. Do you have a chronic illness and are overwhelmed with advice or conflicting information? My book, Hope in a Dark Tunnel, gives you actionable steps to create your path back to well-being and positivity, hope and resilience without false promises. Head to www.hopeinadarktunnel.com Join me on this journey, and let's live the fab life together. Hello and welcome. It's Bev here, and today my guest is Stephanie Hewlett. And Stephanie has a beautiful title about messaging mental. And for me, that's important because, you know, we need our words to be heard. So welcome to you, Stephanie.
1: Thank you, Bev. Glad to be here.
0: And today we're going to obviously talk about your wellbeing journey and other things, but let's begin with you know what it is that you do and how you work in your business.
1: Thanks, Bev. I'm a message mentor and copywriter. Um, I started with about fifteen years' experience in uh, marketing, integrated marketing, marketing specifically in the corporate world, and I decided I wanted to do my own thing, so I started my own business in 2016. Um, and with that, helping beautiful heart-centred entrepreneurs to find their message and kind of find their voice and be heard online so that they can really connect with their customers in a really beautiful heart-centred way.
0: Mm. And that's so important too, isn't it? Because we don't want to come across, you know, as forceful or like, you know, sleazy or any of those things. So, yeah.
1: yeah None right. of those things. <laughs> and really Having a compelling message really is the thing that makes someone sort of stop the scroll on Facebook and go, oh, my gosh, that, that message really resonates with me. I would really love to work with you. And that's my goal, helping the people that need you most to connect with you. And that's what I love doing every day.
0: And let's talk about your well-being. So the challenges, the wins, and, and you know, that would be important for people to know that about you.
1: Um, the biggest thing in my health journey is that I'm a type 1 diabetic which has its own challenges. Um, I've been a diabetic since I was four, so it's been pretty much my entire life in memory. Um, and with that, diabetes, if not well managed, can make you so tired, so exhausted that you can barely move. It can make you so thirsty that you feel like you haven't had a drink in days. It, and really, it can it can knock you around, and that can be quite a challenge um, when you're running your own business and you're responsible to to clients. Someone said to me, when you work in a company, you have one boss, but when you work in your own business. You have a million bosses because every client is, in a way, your boss. So needing to be on all the time means you just don't have room to have off days or bad days or bad moments. So you really need optimal health. So that has been my biggest challenge. And making sure that was optimal is really how I came into contact with you, lovely babe, in the very first place.
0: And so for those who don't know about type 1 diabetes, just explain a little bit about you know the Ill- illness.
1: Sure. Um, so type one diabetes is. Um, I'm going to give you the light version. Uh, where essentially my pancreas, the um, organ that produces insulin, is no longer working. Um, insulin is the hormone that your body releases to help you metabolize food and turn it into energy. So my body can't do that. So if I don't have any, if I don't add insulin through injections, it means that I can't get any energy from food, which is where the tiredness comes from. Um, but then at the same time, it means there is blood, uh, there's sugar essentially in my blood and it makes it kind of rich and it's almost corrosive like rust, which means it can sort of eat away at my organs, my eyes, my heart. It's really quite a serious thing if not well managed. But at the same time, management is relatively easy if if you kind of stay committed to what you're doing.
0: So you said obviously you were diagnosed at four. Mm-hmm. And so that process through schooling, describe that for me.
1: Obviously, I was very, very little. Um, My mother said it was really a case of bed wetting where every kid wets the bed when they're transitioning sort of nappies to out of nappies. Um, And I went through all that process, but then suddenly I started wetting the bed again and mum thought, it's a bit unusual. And there was one day that mum describes, but I actually remember we came home from a shopping trip and I was a tiny four-year-old kid, but I just rushed into the kitchen. I drank about two litres of water on the spot. And for a little kid, that's a lot. Uh, And that's when mum thought, this is not right, and so I rushed me to the hospital straight away. Um, they did a blood test, found out what was going on, and and really life changed pretty dramatically for me the very next day.
0: And so, how was it for you? Because then you were just you know not quite at school. So, how was it like going into junior school? Did you feel different? What What was it like for you?
1: I was actually quite grateful to be diagnosed so early because uh, for me, I really just this is the only life I've known is is diabetes. I've known and my mum had a really beautiful perspective on how she uh, made me think about diabetes say someone with spina bifida in a wheelchair they have no choice that is that is illness that is inflicted upon them they have no call in managing their health outcome whereas with diabetes if I get sick it's because I haven't taken control of my, my health so I can influence my outcome I can still ride my horses I can still run I can still jump provided I look after myself so within with uh, heading into school it was easy for me because i already knew it wasn't new i wasn't um it wasn't say when kids are diagnosed at 13 at the age when they're just trying to fit in all of a sudden they stand out whereas mm-hmm. for me it was kind of a silent thing no one really knew i had it i did my injections in private if i needed to eat sugar to treat a, a hypo or a sugar event i just sort of quietly you know pull something out of my bag and, and nibble away and it really wasn't too big a deal which is quite lucky
0: And so fortunately for you that, you know, like you say, you had your mum there who had a perspective and that was really supporting to you. So what happened for you on this journey that you didn't expect?
1: I guess that... Everyone loves to tell me horror stories for some reason of all the awful things that have happened to the diabetics that they know, like so and so on, so had a heart attack, all the other complications that are very real for diabetics. And say, they say 70% of diabetics die from a heart attack. And that's obviously something that I know is somewhere in the distant future, hopefully very distant. Um, but with that, managing that it's, it's not, the outcome isn't always what you'd expect. For a long time, my specialist would say to me, it's, he'd test me and say, this is wild, this is wild. And they kept, you know, looking my eyes and testing other things and saying, so wild and I'm thinking, What wild what? Wild good? Wild bad? What? What does this mean? I said, no, it's it's wild. You you were doing so well. Your, your body is just coping. You have so few complications of this disease. It's amazing. And so on one hand, recognizing that it's not always terrible, but on the other hand, as I age, I'm definitely noticing that things that I could get away with, like, oh that sugar blood sugar wasn't so great, I'll just correct it a little bit wouldn't really have an impact and now as I'm aging they are starting to little little things are starting to become bigger things. So again, why I connected in with you, Babe, because I realized that I could get away with some things when I was younger, but not so much now as I'm getting older. Sometimes in the face
0: of adversity, people do more of the same. So well done to you for recognizing that things are shifting and not necessarily in the way that you want them to and being able to come back to what you know. So obviously from a young age, you've had to understand the mechanics of how uh, sugar works in the body and, you know, when to add a bit, when to certainly not, (laughs) not add sugar and and what form of sugar to add and those type of things. So Mm -hmm. because you started at a young age, it kind of was second nature to you in that, in that sense. But, you know, throughout your life, how have you stayed resilient? You know, because it's a, it is a long journey. It, this so you know that this will, unless there's some miracle that happens, this is the journey. So, how do you stay resilient? What are your strategies?
1: Um, I think at one point uh, in time, I stumbled across the concept of low carb eating um and for the bulk of my entire childhood and right up into my early 20s what my specialist told me all my doctors told me everyone and my educator every person who interacted with my health field basically said my diet had to be planned around eating carbs and so my plan ahead that if I went somewhere I'd be planning ahead of right what carbs have they got do I need to take a, a muesli bar in my bag to have for dinner because they may not have carbs I needed to eat carbs and that was the basis of my diet and my insulin regime um and then it one point it sounds so simple but there was a uh, diabetic started just saying actually if you don't eat many carbs you don't have to have as much insulin and you don't have the dramatic up down up down effect of trying to sort of your sugar goes up because you eat carbs then it drops down because you have insulin you're constantly riding this balance of too high sugar and you get sick and too low sugar and when you get get sick and both have potentially fatal consequences so but in terms of staying resilient it was really having that discovery and then having an open mind to sort of thinking what's possible. My sister was actually diagnosed at the age of 40. Um, and while she probably won't have the complications, I will well, I may see because she have, won't have had diabetes for as long, her kind of energy and, and zest for finding out the latest and greatest and newest things that weren't around when I was diagnosed has kind of encouraged me to think, oh, actually, I'm going to go back and read this new level of, of book and and to understand when I speak to a doctor who says, no, 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 you have to eat carbs, I kind of have to be smart enough to think, okay, you're still the old way of thinking and I know from my own body that that's not a good way for me and I have to kind of doctor shop to find someone that's a good fit, that understands sort of my goals and the impact of their advice on my body.
0: Mm, and you said there is that you know your body, you know, you know you best and that is just so important on any health journey is that you become your own healer in, se- in that sense um, so that you can work out what works for you. So with, with the low-carb way of eating, so you're eating complex carbs just so that everyone's aware of that. So you're not eating uh, refined flour, refined sugar. So you, the carbs you choose are from mainly vegetables and other things like that?
1: In pursuing a low-carb diet, yes. So really aiming for, um, as you say, complex carbs through kind of through the vegetable side of things. Um, Obviously I still do eat treats. I'm human and I'm still working on that. Um, But I I do know that when I do pursue a lower carb diet where I'm getting the bulk of my carbs through vegetables where you have to eat a lot of it to, to kind of get the same amount of carb that you would get from eating, say, a slice of bread, um, that has an impact on my health and also by reducing my insulin requirement, that just makes me feel amazing. And a lot of the brain fog and struggles that, that come from having a high insulin dosage, um, I can really moderate those and take take a little more control. So that was a really exciting moment for me, which, I mean, from explaining it, it doesn't sound that exciting, but it was so life-changing yeah. because I remember the night, the first night that I had just a salad for dinner and no carb and I was so excited that I called my mum and said, Mom, I just had a salad and now I'm going to bed. And to me, it was the most exciting thing in the world because I'd always had to eat carbon. And it's, again, I know I realize it sounds very stupid, but to me at that point, it was just groundbreaking.
0: What I found fascinating is that some of those old ways persist in spite of new evidence. And mm. it's, you know, for me, it's just wonderful that you have actually listened to your body. Look, it, I guess you wouldn't you wouldn't trial things like some other people trial things you know you would you would have to have something that's backed with scientific evidence you wouldn't just try something because of the risk you know associated you know where you you're dealing with something quite different you know we we talk about you know balance there's this balance of your eating so how do you balance and integrate your health your business and your life you know so that you've got um harmony and you giving your body the best of needs and your business the best of needs?
1: I guess I broke it into three parts, um, being my mind, my body and, and my work as three sort of three different elements. The thing that I found helped my work most, and one of the reasons I actually left corporate was because um I, I'm a competitive horse rider. I train and compete my horses every week, every ride them every day. But when I was in corporate I would be at work from 6 pm, or 6 a.m through to 8 9 p.m every day and so i could only ride my horses at sort of 4 a.m which is fine but i wasn't getting much sleep and it was very easy in the very busy times to think oh you know what the guys can have a day off i'm just going to go to work and not ride it i need the sleep and my body was just i was unhappy physically i was unhappy mentally it wasn't a good time i was i just felt stuck and so um by into by having my own business it meant to a degree not always that I could say, right, today I'm going to ride my I'm going to get up at six and I'm going to ride my horses between six and nine or six and ten. And then I'm going to work from ten until eight or nine PM. That's fine. I don't mind doing that because I've had my ride and I've had that moment to have time for myself and I find when I make sure I do that, that makes me brighter and happier and, and more energetic in my business when I do make time for myself.
0: That's good. So for you, your your horses come with your health. So you, you attach those two things together.
1: Absolutely. My my horses are my heart and, and my, my fitness. So I'm very, very fortunate to be able to combine those two things.
0: Okay. Oh, that's beautiful. So let's talk about your business and tell me how you support Businesswoman.
1: Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, as a message mentor and copywriter, I'm really helping women uh, with heart-centered businesses to find their voice and be heard and to stand out so that People can see them because it's, it's a crowded marketplace, uh, but we're not competing against each other. So there are other copywriters out there. I'm not competing with them. They're not competing with me. We're all competing against attention spans, finger scrolls, people scrolling through Facebook, being distracted by so many different things. That's what we need to, to sort of break through. And by having a really strong, clear, compelling, magnetic message, it helps you to reach the people who need you so that when they see you, they actually stop and think, oh, my gosh, that that really resonates with me. I, I, want, I want that. And when you've got that message in place, then we roll that through all your copy because then it is so much easier to craft your copy when you've got your messages down and your core message and then all of your supporting messages that really clearly articulate what you do, the value it offers, and most importantly, the benefit it delivers to your clients. So, Steph, what are your tips for living fabulously? My tip for living, my core tip is one tip, which I have one because it is so powerful, I believe, is to have two things you're passionate about and one of them should be your business and one of them should be something outside of your business. You should have two all-consuming passions, things that make you jump out of bed and then think, "Yes, that with your business, your, you know, things pop up and you think, "Oh, I'm going to try that my business." Or I really love how that person did that. Or gosh, I've just had an epiphany. I I can't wait to share this idea with with my clients. I think it's really going to help them. And then a passion outside your business because you need you need a break and Often your best ideas will come when you, you've taken a step out of your business. Take that time. Um, people often say they get their good ideas in the shower because they're, they're not forcing it. They're just letting letting it be. And by having that external passion, it gives you a well-rounded life and really gives you something to be excited about, which then supports your business as well.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Nice, nice way to bring those two together because they're basically then the one is drawing you when the other is pulling, you know, so you sort of... Mm-hmm. Like you said, with your horses and your business, you know, so you'll do your riding and then you'll work on your business. So it gives you the the, the healthy yin and yang between between two elements. Well, thank you for that. And you can find Steph Hewlett uh, at stephaniehewlett.com.au and also on Facebook under the same name. And these will be in the show notes for you. So, Steph, thanks so much for being with me today. I think something that really resonates strongly with me is that just the way you you accept that this is the way it is but yet on the other hand is that you've taken time to listen to some new research and made a change that's actually working out really well for you so I think sometimes you know we have utter faith in the medical system and yet we stop questioning ourselves so thank you for reminding me that questioning and curiosity is really part of the journey thanks so much for being with me today thank you so much Bev. it was a pleasure thank you so much for listening and i would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode you can connect with me on facebook by searching for living fabulously with bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice. It is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.